0: Oh, that was weak. Good morning, Living Stones. There we go. I'm saying the sun is shining. We should be more awake than that. So, well, I tell you what, um, we are going to kick our kickstart kids out of here. So all of our fourth and fifth graders, you guys can head out the back doors by Miss Jen. You guys have an awesome, fun time today. And uh, it is good to to see so many of you uh, here this morning. Uh, We are going to take communion at the end of service today. So if you want to Grab your communion elements for that as well. Um, I have a couple things I want to share with you before we get into uh, the message today. The first one is um, just because we've seen uh, several new faces around uh, here over the last number of weeks. I just wanted to just remind everybody kind of the why behind why we're asking everyone to to wear your your mask, you know, for the the entire time, even during worship, during the the message, and all that. And, and we were, you know, one of one of my aims, one of my desires is for our church to be an other's first church. And, and we're always about trying to do what's best for the other, what's, what's best for other people, maybe not even what's best for us. And so it's, it's an act of love. It's an act of, of sacrifice. And I just want to thank everybody for um, just following along with that and being a part of that and, and loving, our, uh, loving our neighbors, you know, greater than ourselves, even if it's something we don't want. I'm praying that uh, one of these days soon... Uh, all this mask stuff is going to be behind us, but in the meantime, thank you guys for helping be a part of that. Um, our circle communities I shared with you guys last Sunday our circle community groups start this week and and i 'm really uh, i 'm excited about it i 'm passionate about groups. I love leading a group, love being a part of a group and and so i 'm going to invite Chris Paul up here. Can you guys give Chris Paul a hand real quick um, i I asked Chris if he would just come up and share just a few words about his experience in the circle community group that he was a part of this last semester.
1: hello LSE. Um I just wanted to take a couple minutes here and talk about uh, circle groups because um, I think during you know, our busy weeks you know we, we don't have a lot of time sometimes to set aside you know, a few hours for God you know we come here on Sunday and you know we worship and we listen to Pat's message but during the week sometimes we, we neglect that so I think circle communities is a great opportunity you know, either for couples, for men's, for women on their own, to uh, just get into a small group of a couple people, maybe, you know, seven, eight, nine, and just talk about the Word of God. Talk, talk to each other in fellowship because, you know, you can read the Bible on your own, but sometimes when you study it with, you know, uh, your peers, it, it means more into your daily life. Um, last fall, uh, I was in Tim Jennings' group. Uh, it was a midweek men's tailgate um, He brought his RV, you know, we cooked out We talked, you know, word of God um, You know, he'd have an outline to talk about You know, what we wanted to discuss for that night But sometimes we'd just discuss, you know, what was going on in our lives You know, sometimes we talk football, sometimes we talk racing but, but it would all come back to God And, you know, I always came out of those uh, group meetings You know, feeling better about myself And feeling better uh, with my place in the world And how the Lord is going to help me so I highly suggest, you know, there's a dozen groups, like I said, for couples, for men, for women. Um, the the sheet, the little uh, brochures are out there in the hall. You can go on the app, sign up that way. And like Pat said, the, the groups start this week, so uh, no better time than now. So uh, highly recommended, and uh, please sign up. <laughs> Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I got the opportunity last time to uh, attend uh, a couple of the different groups, and uh I, I happened I was very strategic in when I, I visited Tim's group, his tailgate group because he made this Polish dinner that was just amazing. It, it was It was awesome. And so if that doesn't entice you to be a part of a group, I don't know what will. Um, but, but yeah, like we, we, if you look in our foyer we have the, the pegboard set out there and it's got descriptions of the different groups that we have available. You can go online. you can check them out through our app as well. Um, but if you go to our website livingstonescc connect slash groups you can see all the different groups that are there you can read about the different group leaders um, and i just want to challenge and encourage everybody let this be the semester let this be the time that you grow not only in your walk with god but also in in your walk with other livingstones church members with other people in in our in our church family uh, here and that's what that's what our groups are designed to do they're designed to help you grow in your walk with god but also in your walk with with one another we don't want to just grow vertically. We want to grow horizontally with with our church family as well. And so I, I want to encourage you, find one of those groups, get plugged in, you know, reach out to the leader. You can sign up online. You can, excuse me, you can, there, there's even, we even made it super easy for you. There There's even on the pegboard, you can just fill out one of those forms, put it in the, the drop box, turn it into myself or one of our staff members. We'll connect you. But, but let this be the semester you get connected with one of our uh, circle community groups. We're excited to get those started this week. And then uh, I also want to share with you that in two Sundays from today, on March 7th, we are going to be having our next Next Steps Explore class. And what Next Steps Explore is all about is if you are, are new to Living Stones and you just want to know more about who we are as a church, why we do some of the things that we do, what we do, all of that, or, or maybe you've been here for a while and you've never just kind of taken that plunge, you've never really gotten fully connected into the, the life of the church, Next Steps explore is for you. Uh, you get an opportunity to to get to know me a little bit better, you get to know our, our staff, all of our elders, you can ask any questions that you might have, and, and really it, it's a chance for you to get to know why do we exist, why are we here, where are we going, what what are we doing, and why are we doing what we're doing. And and so um, it... it, it really that this class is to help you, is designed to help you get further connected here at, a, at our church family. You can get involved in serving in some way, just knowing more about who we are, but we want you to take your next step in, in your walk with God and your next step with our church family. And so Next Steps Explore is for you. If you want to sign up for that, you can go to our website, livingstones.cc events signups, Um, Or pay attention to our Stone's Throw newsletter on Facebook. You can sign up through there. And, you know, we're going to provide lunch for you. It's going to be a fun time. Look forward to having you be a part of our Next Steps Explore class. So with that, we're going to take up our morning tithes and offerings. Um, As we're not passing the buckets, there's still multiple ways that you can give, um, whether it's through our app you can text to give. You can give here in person. We have our giving envelopes and the boxes in the back. um, Through our website, you can set up recurring giving. Um, but again, you know what I mentioned just a few moments ago about being an others first church. That, that's what that's what giving is about. You know, it, it, it's about honoring God, and and one of the ways we honor God is by by giving to be a blessing to other people. And and so, you know, as, as you as you give cheerfully, as you give faithfully, we're not sitting here stockpiling for ourselves. We're constantly putting back out into ministry and to sharing. The love, of, the love of God with people that need to hear it. So if you would, let me uh, let me pray over that, and we'll get on with our message this morning. So Father, we, we just honor you, and we thank you, God. Thank you for your provision and your blessings. Thank you, God, that, that as your people give faithfully, as we give cheerfully, Lord, that, that you're going to use their gifts, you're going to use the, these tithes and these offerings, Lord, to, to grow and to expand your kingdom. God, we're, we're so thankful for to be a part of a church that is a generous, others-first kind of church and lord we we just pray that that as your church family gives today lord that that you're going to bless them lord that we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing lord so just use this to to grow your kingdom and father we just pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear from you this morning lord we're grateful for you for your presence and just pray god just for your hand upon the rest of this service in Jesus name amen well we are we're continuing our series that we've been calling rebuild and and what we've, what we've been looking at is the Old Testament account of the book of Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah, he, he was a man who like rebuilding was his passion. That was the call that God had put on his life. And, and as you know, every single one of us, as, as we face just difficulties in this last year, different things that have gone on in, in our lives, like we, we can look around and we can see areas that are definitely in need of being rebuilt. You know whether it be relationships, whether it be careers, finances, um, it could be with families, and and even here within our own church that that things have happened where we've kind of gotten off of our game, we've gotten off of our track. And how do we rebuild ourselves as as a church? And because rebuilding implies that something is broken or that it's not functioning as it should, it's not functioning the way it was designed to work. And and so we've been looking at. The account of Nehemiah because ne- Nehemiah really is kind of a blueprint in a way. It, it's a it's a, it, the the way Nehemiah tackled the rebuilding project in his time was something I believe that we can gain a lot of insights and a lot of encouragement from as we try to rebuild the broken areas in our lives as well. And to, so to catch you up, I'd encourage you if you haven't been here to to listen to the last two messages. But Nehemiah, he was the cupbearer for the Persian king. Artaxerxes, and and while he was serving as the cupbearer, one, he got word that the walls around his hometown of Jerusalem had been completely destroyed. They they they, they were they laid in ruins. The people were exposed. They they were uh, vulnerable to people coming, other na- surrounding nations attacking them. And so he, he's heartbroken about it. He wants to do something about this massive need that he that he's heard about in his hometown of Jerusalem and, and in week 1 we, we discussed and talked about Nehemiah's prayer that, that he was he was heartbroken and, and and the prayer that he just called out to God where it was it was a prayer of, of commission it was a prayer of repentance it was it was a prayer of asking God to be a part of what it is that he wanted to do in rebuilding these walls around Jerusalem and and then last Sunday we di- we discussed uh, about the preparations that Nehemiah made that after he prayed and after he invited God saying God I want you to be the center the focal point of what I'm about to do. He went about preparing. He talked to King Artaxerxes. He got all the supplies that he was going to need to to rebuild the walls. Excuse me, he makes the the 900 mile journey back to Jerusalem. He inspects the 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 damage in the walls and he gets a good look at what it is he's actually up against. What it is what is it that he's actually going to have to do and then finally he started speaking to the people. He, he got other people on board with him and said, hey, will you join me in this? Will, will you join me in this project of, of rebuilding these walls? And, and we talked about how that, that even though the people that were living in Jerusalem, they had seen these walls that had just been destroyed for years, nobody ever did anything about it until Nehemiah came along and he painted a picture for them of, look at this need and, and what would our future look like? if we weren't the laughingstock of people, that if we were protected, if, if God's city, God's people looked like it it, it ought to. And, and he paints this picture in Nehemiah chapter 2 where he said, you see the trouble that we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we will no longer be a disgrace. And I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said. And, and where we left off last week, was the people heard Nehemiah's dream. They, he, you know, he, he pointed out what was wrong, what was going undone, that something needed to happen, and, and we're the ones to do it. And the people, they were on board, and they said, all right, let's do this. We're, we're with you. Let, let's start rebuilding. And and so where we pick up today is in Nehemiah chapter 3. Now, at, at first glance, chapter 3 is not one of the more exciting chapters in, in the Bible. It, it's essentially a list of all the different people that helped and were a part of the rebuilding process and the different sections they were working on. To, to give you just a little bit of a, a, a taste of what Nehemiah chapter 3 is, I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 for you. And he writes, The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasenna. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Miramoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam. Son of Bechariah, the son of Meshezebel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, the son of Bena, also made repairs. Like the the entire chapter goes on and on like this. So I'm not going to um, I, I'm not going to read all of it to you because it would be um, a kind of a snooze fest. You know, it, it's not exactly chapter three is not exactly a page turner. You know, when it comes to to reading in in the Bible. However, there are some things that Nehemiah addresses that I want to point out to us today when he's he's writing down this list of all the different people that were a part of the rebuilding process and what it was that they they were doing and and the sections they were working on. So the first thing I want to point out is that every person had a part to play. Every person had a part to play. There wasn't like this small tiny group of people that were doing all of the work, but literally Nehemiah listed out all the different people that were working on the project. And some of them they worked on what was called the Fish Gate. Some worked on what was called the Dung Gate. Some worked on on the, the Fountain Gate or the Valley Gate. Many many of them worked on the sections in between all these gates that went around the city. And there were there were people, a, a vast array of people. Not not just again not just some, but it was a whole bunch of different people. The priests were there. The Levites were there. He he, he addresses goldsmiths that were there, both men and women were a part of the rebuilding project. Even Nehemiah himself, he had a section he was working on. He wasn't just out here, you know, being a foreman giving orders and all this. Now he was he was in there getting his hands dirty and doing the work as well. Like they they all shared in the labor. Some did more, some did less. Some some had bigger sections to work on, but every single one of them had a part to play. Every single one of them had something that they could pitch in and do. And man, like, is that not what the body of Christ should look like? Where, where every single one of us that calls Livingstones our church home, that we have a part to play. It's not just up to the staff or the elders or the leaders or, or just this certain group of people, but no matter what your story is, no matter what your history is, no matter what your skill set might be, every single one of us has a part to play. In the rebuilding, in, in in helping our church, helping Livingstones be successful. The other main part that I see in this chapter three is just the incredible unity that was present among all the people that were rebuilding. They 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 were unified around this this project, this mission that they that they were on. And and you think about it, it was such a, a, a wide cross section of people. I mean, you, you get any diverse group of people like we have right here in the room this morning, like we all come at it from different backgrounds, different experiences, different preferences, or beliefs, or opinions, and, and yet all of them that were working on this wall, they were, they were able to put aside their differences for the sake of a common goal, for the sake of the common good. The, the act of rebuilding, it was really this, this unifying event for all of this, this vast array of different people. Now, one, one, there's a phrase that keeps popping up over and over again as you read through Nehemiah chapter 3. And this phrase is, Next to them. Next to them. So, so, for instance, Next to them repairs were made by the men of Gibeon. Next to him repairs were made by the Levites. Next to them, Ezar, the son of Yeshua, repaired another section. Th- this phrase, next to them, or some derivative of it, is mentioned 27 times in chapter 3 and, and 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 the mental picture that i get when when i think and i and i read the the, the, the phrasing next to them is it, people almost standing like shoulder to shoulder working together like like immediately you know ne- next to this guy he's there's somebody else working on this section immediately next to him there's somebody else working on on this section it, it's kind of this this idea of being shoulder to shoulder with a group of people that are all Moving in the same direction, and and along with that, you know, kind of that idea of people being shoulder to shoulder. I, I imagined what would it be like. What would it, what would it be like if, if we were like making a list, if we were talking about and writing down the description of the rebuilding of Livingstone's Church, because this is going to be a rebuilding year for us. Like like, what would that description look look like? So so right right here, the the Lathions. We're, we're working right here ne- next to the Storks, who are right here next to the Hammets, who are right here next to the Oblenises, who are right here ne- you know I mean I mean we could go on and on down the line like what would it sound what would it look like for us to describe the rebuilding of our church that a group of vastly different people putting those differences aside and saying no this is this i i'm in Th- this is a project I believe in that God is a part of that re- that regardless of our background and our differences, that we are unified together. And, and we've talked about unity before. I'm not going to belabor the point here and, and, and really expand too much more on it. But First but Peter 3.8, he's talking about this concept of different people coming together for a common goal. And he says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. Peter's kind of saying, "All right, there's no end to the to the things that could draw a push a wedge in between us, but let's pull that wedge out and actually come together as a group." And, and and so once we get to the end of chapter three, we we enter a new phase in the rebuilding project here, because this is the portion where it starts to get difficult. And and as I read through the next three chapters in Nehemiah, there there's some key ingredients here that I really believe are. are are what enabled the the Israelites, they enabled the people of Jerusalem, to complete this monumental project. And so, in, in Nehemiah chapter four, they start to face some opposition. Now, if you've ever if you've ever tried to affect change in any area of your life before, no doubt there's come a time where it starts to get difficult, where maybe you face some opposition there's some roadblocks that are thrown in your way. Like, I mean, that's just kind of the nature of it. That maybe you've been trying to lose weight and you go out to eat with all your friends and they have like this big old nasty juicy burger and you're looking at your salad and be like, yeah, this just isn't all that exciting. You know, or, or maybe, maybe you're trying to work on your marriage and you're trying to respond to your spouse in grace and in humility, but they don't seem to be making any effort whatsoever. And you just kind of come up against that wall or maybe you're trying to work on your finances and you're trying to get your your finances on track, you're trying to, to create a budget and stick to a budget, saving some money and then the water heater goes out. And and, and you know like here's just another wrench that's thrown in the mix and and that's kind of what ha- is happening in chapter 4 here because I mean we we all know this whenever we try to make strides in any kind of direction if we want to rebuild, if we want to make some positive changes in our life, there's always some difficulty that we encounter along the way. There's things that we face that we hadn't necessarily planned for, we hadn't got, been ready for. And Nehemiah and the people of, of Judah, they experienced this, this same thing. And this idea, be, because setbacks, are, it's just a natural part of making progress. Difficulty is a natural byproduct of making progress. Like the cliche, two steps forward, one step back, like it, it's true. Like, no matter whenever you start making some progress, there's always some things that set you back as well. And, and Nehemiah's setback, it comes in the form of, of a group of people who they don't want the walls rebuilt around Jerusalem. They had, they had a vested interest in keeping Jerusalem exposed, keep, keeping the people uh, weak. And so they, they actually were uh, opposed to what they were doing. Nehemiah talks about them in chapter 2. He, he In fact, he lists three people in particular, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. They, they, these guys were governors of some of the surrounding nations that were around Judah. And they did not want Nehemiah coming in and rebuilding the walls. And, and so we're introduced to kind of them trying to stir up some trouble in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. And Nehemiah, he writes this, he says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria... He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble burned as they are? And then Tobiah the Ammonite chimes in who was at his side and he says, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. And I, We were kind of laughing as a, as a staff this week because biblical insults kind of crack me up. And this one kind of reminds me of like a biblical Yo Mama joke. You know, it's kind of like, you know, your wall is so weak that, that, that even if a fox jumped on it, it would fall over, you know, kind of a thing. But, but, but I mentioned like if, if we're trying to do anything of significance, if we're trying to affect any kind of, of change for the glory of God, we should expect that it's not necessarily going to be smooth sailing. There's a myth out there that if you're doing God's work and then if you're in the middle of God's will, well, things are just going to work out for you. And I'll be honest, I've found more often than not when you start making positive changes, when you start getting serious about your relationship with God, when you start making steps forward, when you start trying to to live out that call that God has put in your in your heart and you start making some progress, that's when the enemy comes barking, the loudest and the strongest is when you start taking those steps forward and, try, and trying to get you off track. And that's exactly what San Ballot and his buddies are trying to do. They're trying to discourage and to distract them from the job that they've been called to do. And the question is, how are we going to respond? Like when those times of difficulty come, when those setbacks come, when we start facing opposition, what is our response going to be to those setbacks? Now, most of you, most of you know, um, I, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin originally. I lived there, you know, my whole life up until 2009. I'm a big Milwaukee Brewers fan, so I'm sorry for all you Cub fans out there. And, uh, and, and I used to love going, when I was a kid, I used to love going to Brewers games at Milwaukee County Stadium. I, I mean, because it was super cheap. You could get bleacher seats for five bucks, and, you know, I, it was, I, I just have great memories of my dad and I going to Brewers games. The, the thing, though, is Milwaukee County Stadium was a dump. Like, I, I mean, it was it was just it was not a it wasn't good to look at. It just wasn't comfortable. It was just it was just not a good place. And so, in the late '90s, there was speculation that the Brewers might actually leave Milwaukee and go to another city unless they got a new stadium built. And so, you know, through a lot of politicking and wrangling and all this a deal was met, and they began construction on Miller Park, if you can put that picture up on the screen. And at Miller Park, it, it's it's a beautiful stadium. I, I've seen several games there. It's a lot of fun to go see a game at Miller Park. And one of the things you can see about it, about it in the picture, it's got this large retractable roof. Because, I mean, you guys know this, being up in the north, like baseball games in April, it can be pretty cold. And so it was it was great to be able to, like, Build a stadium that had a roof you can close and it was still pleasant on the inside. And, and so, as they were building and constructing Miller, which by the way, it's not even called Miller Park anymore, they sold the naming rights to it. And like, I think it'll be kind of like the Sears Tower, which it's called the Willis Tower, but everybody still all refers to it as the Sears Tower. Uh, Miller Park's going to be the same way. And, and as, they were, as they were building Miller Park, they'd had the, the base, all the, the bricks and the concrete, everything down along the bottom done. And they brought in one of the largest cranes in the world. It was called Big Blue. This is a picture of it. And and it was really hard. I was trying to find a picture that gives you a a scale of the size of of this crane. It it was one of the biggest cranes in the world. And they brought Big Blue in to help assemble the the retractable roof. And so so Big Blue, it it stood at 567 feet. I mean, it, it was huge. It was monumental. It had 11 diesel engines Six miles of wire cable ran through, ran through this crane. There was um, 1,500 tons of counterbalance, counterweight, on that, that, that this crane operated and used. And, and on July 14, 1999, as they were lifting one of the 400-ton roof pieces, roof panels into place, the crane actually collapsed. I'm going to show you the, the video of this right now. I, I muted it by the way, because the guy who shot this was cussing up a storm, as as, as he shot this. So, um, but he, the guy who actually shot this, he's from OSHA. He happened to be here recording it at the time, and he starts hearing some things, and then you see the crane going down. Oh yeah, I, it was it was unbelievable. Um, the the, the, unfortunately, three iron workers lost their life, you know, in, when, the, when the crane collapsed. And um, there, there, was, there was 20, 21-mile-an-hour 20 mi- winds happening when, when the accident happened. There were gusts up to 27 miles an hour, which I- exceeded the, um, what the crane was rated for. And, I mean, it, it, was, it was just awful. I mean, it was, it was a terrible thing. The, the deaths and the, the collapse could have been prevented along the way. But one of the things that, that they did is they actually erected a statue to the three ironworkers. If you can put that up on the screen, it's a bronze statue. If you go to Miller Park today, you can see this statue out there. And this was dedicated to the three ironworkers that lost their life in the crane accident. But this tragedy, it, it, kind of, it kind of illustrated something for me as I was thinking about it. That, that as, you're, as you're building or you're rebuilding something, there's always going to be things that happen that come along that we weren't expecting that that happened along the way and 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 again what is our response going to be when those setbacks happen like they they didn't you know that the crane collapsed and i mean they it wrecked the roof you could see the sides of of the wall got damaged and and all this people didn't just like brush their hands off and walk away no they said no we're we're in this like we, when we're putting our hands to work when we're when we're doing something we're going to resolve that we're going to follow through with it no matter what no matter what the cost no matter what the sacrifice we are in this together and and that's exactly what what God's people did Sanballat he he kind of continues he he ups it not only do they start like mocking and and ridiculing they actually start making threats towards the the people of, of Jerusalem in in Nehemiah 4:7 says when Sanballat Tobiah the Arabs the Ammonites and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God, and we posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. Let me just pause here. Like, not only were they being discouraged, but now they were actually being threatened, saying, all right, we're going to come after you. And, And so what did Nehemiah do? He, he said, all right, well, I, I'm not going to run away from this. God, God has called us to this. God, God has placed us here to rebuild these walls, and so I'm going to adapt to the new situation. We're going to post guards. We're going we're to guard ourselves against what's going to happen. But then, but then this, this final verse, verse 10, it says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble, that we cannot rebuild the wall. Like what what was happening was all the people that Nehemiah had recruited to come be a part of this building project with him, they started getting weary. They started getting tired. They heard, they heard the ridicule. They heard the threats. Things started to get tough and started to get difficult. And they're saying, all right, maybe, maybe we can't do this. Maybe, maybe this is too big for us and we're not able to fulfill this mission that Nehemiah has called us to. Again, like this is where resolve comes in. That, we, that, that you just have, we have to just resolve that when we're setting out to do something, we're not going to let the speed bumps that happen along the way take us away. We're not going to just turn tail and run. No, we're in this for the long haul. We're, we're going to do this. This goes beyond just kind of wishing and, and hoping for things to happen. No, there, there's, there's an internal resolve that says, no, we're going to do this no matter what the cost. And, and Nehemiah, he, he kind of rallies the troops. He, he reminds them of this in, in verse 13. He says, Therefore, because they were getting discouraged, because they were, they were saying, all right, maybe this is too big for us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked things over. And I I stood and I I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Like Nehemiah, he he said, yeah, I get it. I I see the same thing you do. I I see these nations around us trying trying to stir up trouble, making threats. I see that it's getting tiring. I see that it's getting difficult. But remember, remember the Lord who who is great and awesome. Remember, God is in this. This wasn't just a a fun idea we thought of. No, God is in this. He's orchestrated this. Don't give up. Stay strong. And and let me tell you, like, whether it comes to our church, whether it comes to your marriage or your finances, your, your parenting, your work, whatever it might be, when the enemy comes knocking and tries to discourage you, don't give up. Stay the course. I, I tell you, there, there's there's too many times I've seen people give up too early and they missed out on what it was that God wanted to do because it got tough along the way. And so the, the first thing we need to possess, like when we put our hands to work, is that we have a resolve. We have this internal resolve that that we're going to follow through. We're going to do this thing. We're in it for the long haul. And, and then we come to chapter 5. And I'm, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on chapter 5, but just to kind of give you a, a general gist of, of what's going on here. Nehemiah begins to deal with some internal struggles that they're having. That they are having, that they were facing the, the, the threats from the outside, Sanballat and, and all of his buddies threatening them. But then there's some things in-house that he has to try to deal with as well. They, they've been some of the people have been taking advantage of one another. They've been charging one another exorbitant amounts of interest on loans, things like that. And Nehemiah, like he 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 definitely rebukes them. He corrects this behavior and says, no 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 no. no. This like we're we are a united body together. We're we're not going to be fighting one another. We're we're fighting what's going on outside. We're 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 in this together as a group. But there's something in in chapter 5 that Nehemiah says in verse 16 that he says, in in spite of everything that's going on, in spite of all the internal struggles and and trying to deal with these squabbles and people taking advantage of one another, in verse 16 of chapter 5 he says that in spite of all this going on, I devoted myself to the work on the wall. Not only did they have resolve, but they were devoted to the work as well. Devo- devotion. When when I think of the word devotion, it, it makes me think of my heart. Like like I'm completely devoted to to my wife Angela. Like she has she has my entire heart. I I'm fully one hundred percent devoted to her. That, that be, my my entire heart is in our marriage. It's it, it's in our family. There's a devotion there, and that's 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 what Nehemiah was saying. He's like I was fully devoted. My my heart was fully in this project of rebuilding. The walls around Jerusalem, and, and as they were kind of as they were nearing the completion uh, of the walls, you know, not not only did they have this internal resolve that they were going to follow through no matter what, that they were fully devoted, their heart was was fully in this this project. But finally, not only did they have to talk about it, their hands being you know resolving to have their hands in it, devoting their hearts to it, but that their minds were completely focused on the project as well. Fully focused on it. In Nehemiah chapter 6 verses 1 and 4 it says when the word came to Sanballat Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it though up to this time I had not set the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshem they sent me a message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono but they were only scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply, I am carrying out a great project and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave, while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same, the same answer. Like Sandballot and his companions, like first they tried discouragement, making fun of them, m- mocking, ridiculing them. Then then they tried making threats. All right, we're, we're going to come against you. We're, we're gonna we're gonna attack you, and then when those two tactics didn't work, they they change a little bit, and they try something else. They try distraction, and deception. Five times they try to get Nehemiah to abandon the project and come meet with them, and five times Nehemiah says, "No, no, no, no. I'm not gonna lose my focus. I, I'm I know what I'm here to do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stay focused on this." And and if you read on, Sandballot he begins to. Spread lies and rumors about Nehemiah, but even then, Nehemiah doesn't allow these distractions to take him away to, to for him to lose his focus on what it was that God had called him to do. Like it, it's it's easy for us to start strong. You, I mean, you think of any New Year's resolution, any project, you know, something around the house. Like it's easy to start strong. It's a lot harder to finish strong. But when we have when we have a, a, a focus, when we say, no, 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 th- this, my mind is on this thing, Wh- whatever, whatever, that, whatever that thing might be. If, if it's maybe getting healthy and losing weight, exercise, like, no, I'm focused on this. I'm not going to allow those distractions, those things around me, to take me away from what it is that, that, I, that, that I have in my heart to do. But he fo- Nehemiah, he focused like a laser beam on the mission that God called him to that that not he, he didn't focus on on the discouragement he didn't focus on the threats the internal struggles they were having he didn't he didn't you know focus on the the distractions and the, and the lies that were going to take him down and have him abandon his post he didn't allow any of those things to take him away from the call that God had for him of what it was that God put in his heart to do and the good news is that his resolve his devotion his focus like it paid off. It allowed them to to finish and complete the walls around Jer- Jerusalem. In fact, they did it in record time. They they completely rebuilt the walls around this giant city in a mere 52 days. And I and I have no doubt that that it came from from their resolve, their devotion and their focus. And and when the wall was finally done, after they had finally rebuilt it, what did what was the first thing Nehemiah did? Like did did he sit here and Kind of take credit for himself for his extraordinary leadership skills, or did he did he give credit to King Artaxerxes and say, all right, well, you know, thank thankfully he gave us the supplies we needed to do this? Did, did he give all the credit to all the different people that he listed in chapter three that made this happen? No, he Nehemiah, he did what he always does. That is as as we've seen over and over again, Nehemiah, he gives all the credit and all the praise and all the glory. honor to God. In in chapter 6, verse 16, he says, when our enemies heard about this, heard that the the walls were done, complete, all the surrounding nations were afraid, and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that the work had been done with the help of our God. He said, God was right here in the middle of it. We wouldn't have been able to do this thing if God hadn't been here helping us along the way. We wouldn't have been able to, to complete this monumental task if God hadn't been right here walking with us every step of the way. All of it, this entire project, this this entire dream, from the time he first thought about it to the time when they finally completed it, put the last gates up. Nehemiah said, no, this this was because God was in this work. God was walking with us every step of the way. Now, next Sunday, I'm excited to share with you next Sunday because what we're going to talk about next Sunday is what did the people do after the wall was rebuilt? What was what was the final thing that they did after after this project was completed? Now, I, I've been having us kind of take this this look, this examination into Nehemiah's story, because like I shared with you, like this is going to be a rebuilding year for us as a church, and not just for our church, but for for our lives. There's a lot of a lot of people in this room right now that are that are struggling with some things that we need to work on that we need to rebuild. And I believe that Nehemiah's story, it, it's kind of a parallel. It's a, it's a blueprint for us about about rebuilding those broken areas in in our own lives too. You know, I obviously you know with this being a rebuilding year for us, this last year, I mean, it was it was it was tough. There was the leadership transition, me coming in as as the new pastor, and then just a mere four months after that, COVID coming and kind of changing everything about how we do church, how we do ministry, all of that. And, and, and each week along along this journey, as we've been talking about Nehemiah, I've, I've asked if you would participate, if you would do something in this journey. And we, week one, I challenged and I asked everybody, if, if you're a member of our Living Stones Church family, would you commit to praying for our church family every single day? Would you, would you pray for our church every day? Pray for me, and our entire leadership team, for our direction, for for favor, for increase. W- would you pray for our church? And, and last Sunday, I asked, not only will you just pray, but will you help will you help join me in this project? Like if you were if you were a part of, of Living Stones, if you're a member of our Living Stones Church family, will you just, not just nod in agreement and say, yes, I, I'm there, but would you join in the work? Like like Nehemiah when he when he you know, rallied the, the the troops, when he got people excited and said, hey, there's a need here. Will you be a part of it? Will you help me do this thing? Will you help me take care of this need that is right here on our doorsteps? And this morning, I'm, I'm going to ask if you'd go one step further as well. Not only praying, although I want you to, I'm asking if you'd help pray. Not only am I asking, would you commit to being a part of what we're doing? But would you commit to not just being a part, but also being Fully united, hands, heart, and mind all together. That that we would have, you know, our, our hands resolving that we're going to follow through. That even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when there are setbacks that come along the way, even maybe when we face opposition, would you resolve to be in this with us together as a church family, with with our hearts that we would be fully devoted to the work, fully devoted to to our to our church family. That, that we would be passionate about what it is that God has called us to do as a church. That, that we've been called to be a beacon of hope and light right here on the south side. That that wouldn't be something that we just kind of nod our head in agreement, we've heard it a hundred times and go on, but that we would be passionate about. What does that mean to be a member of Livingstones Church? And then, all in with our heads too, just our minds focused. Not allowing ourselves to get distracted by the, by the other things that happen around us. But that we would be fully in, all in, in a way. Like as, as I read, you know, Nehemiah chapters 3 through 6, the, the one thing that tied all of it together, not, not just resolve, devotion, and focus, but the one, the kind of the glue that held it all together, was chapter 3. The story talking about the unity of all the people together everybody playing a part not just some but everybody some, some some people have a more visible part some people serve behind the scenes but everybody has a has a role to play and i pray that that next week as we talk next week to kind of tie all this together about what does it mean what does it mean for us to be livingstone's church what does it, what does it mean for us to to move forward what, what is what is it that god has asked us to do as a church body, so with that, if you would just bow your heads, let me just pray for for all of us right now. Father, we we just thank you, God, for your incredible love. Thank you, God, for this church, God, that the heritage that this church has, and and Lord, as we seek to to honor you, as we seek to to rebuild, Lord, as we look around, we see things lying in ruins. We we see things that have been broken down, but God, you've called us. Lord, to to rebuild. You've called us to be that beacon of hope and that beacon of light right here on the south side. God, that that we would be not just united in prayer, not just united in commitment, but Lord, that we would be fully resolved, that we're going to follow through no matter what, even when it gets hard. That we're going to be completely devoted. Our heart will be fully in this. And God, that we would stay focused along the way. God, that we, we wouldn't get distracted with, with, the, with opportunities that take us away from what it is, God, that you have for us to do. Lord, I pray for my church family today. God, I love this church. I love these people. And God, I, I ask that you would give us that same burden, that same passion, that same fire that Nehemiah had, that the people of Jerusalem had when they were rebuilding those walls. God, that our love for others, our love for you, God, would just flow from that. God, that there, there's nothing that could stop what Livingstones Church is about to do. No amount of opposition, no amount of discouragement, distraction, internal, none of it, Lord, would be able to stop what it is that you have in store for us. So God, we just thank you, God, for your call upon this church, your call that you have on our lives. God, we just commit ourselves to you once again, and we thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.